What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, September the 17th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can turn up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram. Talking Mets, no G, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast, as mercifully, the season, the end of the season, is right in front of us, just a couple of more weeks to go. Mets heading out to their final road trip before they end the season at City Field. A couple more weeks to go of extended garbage time. As has been the case since the trade deadline, Mets to continue to give us some news, some things to talk about. Just a couple of days after we speculated that David Stearns was on the way, David Stearns is here unofficially. He'll be named team president on October 2nd when the season ends. I'm sure there'll be some sort of press conference shortly after the season to announce his hire, and we'll get more deeper into that. We'll hear from him. You know, right now it's all speculation. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean for Pete Alonzo? What does that mean for Buck Showalter? I'll dive into that in this open. And then, we all loved him. He was only here for a short period of time. Uh, I'm going to go into the vault. I have a pretty cool segment. You may have heard this segment. You could obviously go on the uh, app, you know, the Apple app or Spotify and search and go back about three or four years. But the Mets honored Bartolo Colon, who announced his retirement today. I thought it was a little weird, the obsession with Cologne, but it was nice how they gave him his day. It seems like he has this connection with the Mets and the fans. But back in uh, 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, I had a chance to interview Michael Stahl. Michael wrote a book, Big Sexy, about Bartolo Cologne and had a chance to talk about Bartolo um, You know, during that time. It was in the basically in the middle of the spring. There was no baseball the pandemic was just starting and raging, and we needed some content. And fortunately, Michael was able to come up with this great project. We reminisced about Bartolo Cologne. So I'll go into the vault, and uh, from time to time, we do that. And we'll replay that May of 2020 interview between Michael Stahl, the author of the book Big Sexy, and uh, away we go. So the Mets now have a president of baseball operations, David Stern. And look, I've gone back 
to the beginning of the Cohen ownership. And since Steve Cohen took over after the 2020 pandemic season, he's pretty much, from a standpoint of, of us covering him and Mets fans, he's given you what you wanted all that time under Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon. You never felt the Mets went that extra mile to spend. They never seemed to be in on, for the most part, big free agents. It was always a pipe dream. I mean, think about it. Just a couple of years earlier, would you ever have thought the Mets in back-to-back winners could sell and sign Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, Hall of Famers? I know it didn't work out the way we wanted, but would you think that the Mets would be in and signing those, those kind of pitchers? And the winner before that, they were in on the top pitcher on the free agent market, Trevor Bauer, lost out to the Dodgers on that. Thankfully for them, they've dodged a couple of bullets here over the last couple of years as well. And, uh, you know, everything that Cohen wanted to do, whether it be beef up analytics or spend on the roster or, you know, go out and use his monetary advantage to make roster moves, like when they took on Chris Flexen's contract, just to bring in Trevor God, who's a, you know, at best the league average, you know, early, you know, front end of the bullpen reliever when the Mets needed an arm. So everything that you thought about what a Cohen ownership would be with the kind of money he has, has come true. The only thing that has not was the perfect front office. You know, Cohen has tried to put together the perfect roster. That didn't work, but he's tried to do that. Um, He's tried to put together the right front office over the last couple of years, tried to go after all the top executives. Nobody was either able to talk to him because they're under contract or didn't want to be part of the New York experience, whether it be because of Cohen and what they heard from the book Black Edge or because of New York or because of whatever, the expectations, the inability to just come in and you know break it down and rebuild or whatever it may be. Um, Cohen has not been able to get the perfect front office. Now he's gotten the perfect front office. He hired David Stearns, which has probably been the worst kept secret in sports maybe ever. I mean, they've been talking about this guy for at least two years. There's not a single person that has come out negatively about this hire uh, you know, regarding Stearns. He's a media darling. He checks all the boxes, grew up a Mets fan, Ivy League, analytically inclined, young. Uh, you know, he has that small market success that everybody loves, that resume, which makes him a media darling. There's nobody in the world, and especially at least in this baseball world, that's going to criticize this hire. And the story, I mean, think about the story that it's heading into. It almost harkens back to when you watch Moneyball and Brad Pitt is meeting with John Henry at Fenway Park in the luxury boxes and John Henry slips that piece of paper while they're drinking coffee and says, here, I want to make you the highest paid general manager in all professional sports. Billy Bean turns it down and they go with Theo Epstein and you know how the story went. It's almost like that's what happened here with Cohen as the report is that Stearns is going to be making $10 million a year. Now, God bless him. Capitalism. You know, you got to go out there and earn every dollar you 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 can. He's earned it. He's gone out there and, and been successful. But as far as this being a slam dunk hire, and I'm not in the camp. You know, I, I read what Bill Madden said. You know, Bill Madden wrote an article less uh, complimentary of, of Stearns, basically saying, hey, this is a guy that is analytically inclined, Made some dubious trades on his uh, watch in Milwaukee. Hater trade is one, uh, you know, that came up. Not as much into the scouting and player development side of the of the business. Uh, 
Doug Melvin was his predecessor who Stearns replaced in 2015. And there was a lot of assets left over that Stearns benefited from in Milwaukee that helped him get to those four playoff appearances during his tenure. And, uh, you know, Madden threw some cold water over at the Daily News on the hire. And I'm not in that camp. I think always Stearns and who, what he represents, his age, his academic background, the fact that he's more of an analytics guy than a guy that grew up making his way through the scouting system, through, you know, going out there and finding talent, like the old way, the old way that GMs used to come up the ranks, whether they were former players or somebody that really had scouting chops, player development chops. They weren't, you know, Ivy League educated. That's a new phenomenon in the last, oh, I'd say 15 years. So I'm not in that camp. You know, any of the longtime writers of this town are going to fall into that, hey, dubious category when it comes to the hiring of someone of uh, David Stern's background. Uh, all I know is this. Love the resume. Love what he could bring. Love the fact that many think that the Mets signed the top free agent, the Shohei Otani of executives out there. You know, if that's what you want to call him. Can't argue with that. But Stearns, and I know he grew up here. I know he worked for this team as an intern in another lifetime. I'm sure he understands what he's getting into. At the very least, he's getting into it for the money. Um, I would hope, because he probably would have been paid elsewhere. Maybe not $10 million a year, but he would have been paid handsome, handsomely elsewhere. Uh, him coming into the Mets, where they are now, and where he came into Milwaukee after the 2015 season when he took over Doug Melvin, could not be polar opposite situations. Let's face it. Nobody heard of this guy. You didn't hear of this guy back in 2015. The only reason you're talking about him now is because the media has talked about him and they've connected the whole Mets connection and everybody loves small, small market success. Milwaukee is no man's land. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers, everybody loves them and whatnot. But from a baseball perspective, Milwaukee is no man's land. It really is. No one cared when he took over. You're coming into a situation with a team that, although they're not an original team or an historic team like the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Red Sox, let's put it this way. Even A-Rod, and I've spoken about this before, talked about it. The Mets may not be around as long as those teams, but they're a jewel franchise like one of those teams. And they've been befallen by inconsistency and bad luck and all sorts of different scenarios over the last nearly 40 years since they last won a World Series in 1986. I mean, you could take Mets history from 1986, the minute that last out and Marty Barrett struck out, till today, and write yourself a hell of a book. A book of many different things that you can talk about, whether it be bad management, bad luck, uh, wacky fortune, almost famous, you know, type of thing, you know, nearly f almost champions type of thing. Uh, you're coming into this situation. The expectations always were high. Steve Phillips has talked about this back in the day where the Mets didn't have the money like the Yankees, but they had the same expectations because they were across town. Well, now they have the money. They have enhanced expectations because of the money, because of the owner, because the owner has come in and, and basically upset the apple cart by spending and spending in a way that nobody else has ever seen. You think the other 29 owners are happy? No, they're not. You think there aren't GMs? Uh, in other towns and cities, especially down south in Atlanta or in St. Louis or Milwaukee, you know, where Stearns came from. You know, I don't think that owner out in Milwaukee is enjoying the fact that 
his team's headed to the postseason and Cohen, despite his pocketbook, is not. Of course, nobody wants to see see Steve Cohen win. So he's coming in and facing that. And, you know, there is a new world here. You know, Stearns is coming into a world where the Mets are one of many, many entertainment options. And they have to battle with that. Not just battling with the Yankees. Not just battling with the fact that the NFL starts the first week of September and you can move on. Or that, you know, you can move on to the winter sports right after that. Or that, you know, the world is shrinking. This, you know, it's not a a regional world as much anymore. It's a, it's a global world. And, and New York City's a melting pot. And there's people from different cultures and countries that are into different things. You know, you're faced with that. Because if you don't win and you're not success, successful, you know, people will move on pretty quick. And you need to look no further. You have heard me say that there are so many similarities between the plight of the Red Sox and the Mets. And I know not everybody agrees with that. But, you know, when Theo Epstein took over the Red Sox in 2004, uh, he was taking over a team that was in a little bit better place than the Mets. The Mets had a 100-win season. The Red Sox probably should have gone to the World Series in 2003 if... You know, there was some dubious managerial moves and some bad luck and Aaron Boone and all that stuff. But leading up to 2003, the Red Sox were very similar. You know, you had a a solid GM in Dan Duquette who gets a lot of grief. But when they won that 2004 World Series, there was a number of players that he imported over his time on that roster. It wasn't completely Theo Epstein's roster. The Red Sox had, you know, so many fits and starts, so much bad luck. They'd go out, sign big free agents, wouldn't work. Teams that were were misbuilt, either too much offense or not enough pitching or whatever it may be. But they were always in on, you know, the big names. And they were still the Red Sox and the fans loved them. And they were, you know, it still was Fenway Park and they'd still sell out. And all of New England would be behind them. But there was this, you know, anvil over their head. No, No matter what happened, no matter how good things were. You always were expecting the other shoe to drop. And then look what happens in game six, uh, game seven, 2003. And then the following year, everybody knows what came here. You, there's so many similarities to where the Mets are. But even now, there's similarities to here with David Stearns. As you could only you have to go back four or five years when Heim Bloom, who many of you at that time, when Brody Van Wagenen was hired, wanted the Mets to hire Heim Bloom. I was, you know, not thinking of an agent or a former agent as the Mets GM, but I thought at that time because you weren't sure that the Wilpons were in selling uh, mode, that you needed someone who could sell players to come here and navigate the aging game and navigate the the limited finances. And I thought, hey, that's a creative, out-of-the-box way of approaching the situation the Mets are in. Hein Bloom is just another smart guy from Tampa that's going to want to come in and you know knock this down, trade off the Grom, trade off all the assets, and you know build it from the ground up. And at that time, it was pretty clear that the Mets were a good team with good bones who had a pitching staff they needed to leverage. So I wasn't into that. And, you know, Bloom goes to Boston, and he was just fired. Went with the same kind of fanfare that you're hearing just five years later with David Stearns coming from a small market team, Ivy League educated. No one talked about it. Now, the big difference is nobody talked about how Heim Bloom was you know lost out on four or five jobs before the Red Sox hired him, including the Mets, the Giants, the Phillies. There was a number of teams that did not hire him after he interviewed, which should have told you a little bit there. Um, but he was a media darling, and look, five years later, it's not all his fault. Uh, he's out of a job, and you know, the bloom is off the rose. You know, no pun intended over there on that. And look, the Red Sox are not 
sit back in the same manner that the Mets could be if this move doesn't work out. But, you know, Steve Cohen said during his press conference earlier this year that if you, you hire the wrong person in your front office, your wrong president of baseball operations, you could set the team back 10 years. Well, Steve Cohen better hope it's right because it doesn't matter after the introductory press conference that he was a Mets fan and he interned under Omar Minaya and that he's from the Upper East Side or Upper West Side. I don't know where. I can't remember exactly where. And, um, you know, his mom still lives here and he loves the Mets and the transistor radio, listening to the games, you know, with the radio under his pillow, whatever story is going to come out and you'll hear it over and over and over again because that's what you do at introductory uh, press conferences. There's never a bad one because if there's a bad first press conference, it's it's only going to go downhill from there. Um, what he's coming into, you know, is, is kind of similar. Look. Bloom had to trade Mookie Betts. That was more of an ownership uh, decision. But he blew that trade. And if you read a lot of the criticisms on the way out the door that the Boston media has about Bloom, is that his tenure was boring. The Red Sox became this boring team without buzz, without pizzazz, that was not entertaining the fan base. They talk about how ticket sales where opposing fan bases like Dodger fans coming east took over the stadium how tickets for the Yankees series were easy to come by for as little as a dollar. And they all pretty much say, you know, Bloom's tenure was filled with this blah, blase, roster building, lack of star power, just kind of in the way that you'd build things in Tampa without the success. And it didn't work. And now you have a situation where the Red Sox are not necessarily this exciting, you know, oh, look, you know, the all of New England still loves them. But it's not the same feeling. There's not the same energy behind the, the team. It couldn't be 180 degrees opposite of what used to be in 2003 and 2004. And forget about Yankees, Red Sox, just in general. I mean, does anybody really look at the Red Sox as this model franchise? Does everybody really look forward to, oh, you know, Mets went to Boston. All right, Red Sox. It's, it's you know, another team on the schedule. They're not looked at the same way. Now, that could change. All you have to do is go through a, a you know, a little bit of a, you know, they had won a World Series in the year he came in. So it's not like the Red Sox are not short on success. I mean, they're not in the same position. They've got their titles under their belt. And if they need to reboot and be on a downswing for five, six, or seven years, I don't know if it'll be that long, but for a five-year period, they can afford that. It'll hurt. It'll set, you know, the fans' interest will move to other things in the market, like the Patriots, like the Celtics, but they'll move over. And I see David Stearns in a similar situation here with the Mets, However, he's taking over, not necessarily having the privilege of a championship in 2018 or having four titles over the span of, you know, 15 years. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Doesn't have that. This team hasn't won anything in almost 40 years. They've made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons only a couple of times. 2015 is a long faded memory. It's almost 10 years ago. So you have no equity from that magical run. And everybody could forgive Cohen for shoehorning the front office. We know what he was faced with. I talked about it. He came in, had to build his front office, had to you know, build his team at the same time. You really should have your front office, your planning team, and everything together, and then build your team. We talked about this. We know what, you know, this guy was faced with over the last, you know, couple of years. And now he's got his guy. And his guy comes in. He's got to work with Billy Epler, which is an odd setup, and you heard it in the intro. Cohen trusts Epler. They have a personal relationship. A personal relationship. It's almost like that's his Isaiah Thomas. You know, Jim Dolan at Isaiah Thomas is Billy Epler comes Steve Cohen's. Look, the first guy to take the job, and embrace Cohen and teach him about the sport is is always going to have that special place in, in, in this guy's heart. So you got that. So Stearns is inheriting this guy, which is interesting. Different roles and how they split that up. You know, we'll see how that works. Uh, they're going to have to try to contend in 2024. I know they say they're going to take a step back. I think they're doing a lot of that to manage fan expectation and media expectations and maybe sneak up on people a little bit. But they want to contend. That's not going to be easy. They're going to have to spend money. There's going to be competition for some of the big players on the market like Otani or Yamamoto. And, you know, Japan might play a huge role in this offseason for, you know, teams looking to rebuild. Uh, you know, you have some of these young players, all of them, some of them are up, like Mauricio and, and Beatty. Some, like Gilbert um, and Acuna, are still to be developed. So you have a lot of guys competing for jobs that you just, quite honestly, don't know anything about. So you're going to be taking a leap of faith on some players. So there's going to be tons of uncertainty going in 2024, but you're going to be expected to win. You've got Pete Alonso and the Pete Alonso contract and what's going to go on there. And nobody knows what's going to happen there. And the fact that the Mets haven't signed them shouldn't be an indication of anything because, you know, that's how these things go. You know, players tend to like to take these down to where the leverage falls more in their favor. And, and going to free agency would be in Pete's favor because, you know, why not start fielding offers so that, you don't shortchange yourself. And then you have the manager. You have a manager that I think is a really good manager. I don't think this season's been his fault. There's been so many obstacles in front of him on the roster from a variety of ways. You know, once you get bad pitching, every manager looks bad when you get pitchers that through a big chunk of the first half could barely go five innings. And then they rip the team down. So what do you expect? The fact that they're not heading for 100 losses after the way they ripped this team down tells you that they're still competing. You know, they're a little short in some areas, but they're still competing. I give the manager a ton of credit. Uh, and quite honestly, when I talk about the manager with Stearns coming in, it is a big decision because the last thing you want to do is get rid of one of the last remaining experienced managers that could bring a lot to the table. 
detail oriented, um, has worked with younger teams before. I know he gets knocked about young players, but you know, in Baltimore, he had some young players come up with that team when it became successful. Same thing with the Yankees as they were coming into their own. Um, and the Diamondbacks were a team that was, you know, built from scratch. I know there was a ton of veterans on that team and, and what have you. But, you know, he built that team from scratch. You know, these are things on his resume that were attractive to the Mets, and they shouldn't be discounted. And how he took, you know, these chaotic spring, you know, spring training going into 2022 and put a 100-win te team together from that shouldn't be forgotten. And he's got another year in his contract. And if I'm Stearns, I come in and I'm like, why would I upset the apple cart from the minute? Let me see what I got here. Let me see if I have something here. Because unless you're going to tell me that they have the next manager that's going to be here 10 years, they're Ron Gardenhire, they're Davey Johnson, they're Tito Francona, you know, whatever, if that person's out there, then I'm not interested. Because I'm not interested in taking a chance, getting rid of Buck Showalter, unless he wants to leave or retired. You know, taking a chance on some no-name, whether it's a, a former player or someone from the front office or someone who's, you know, analytically inclined or from driveline or something, you know, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in doing another, let's see this guy for two years. Oh, it doesn't work out. Let's go to the next one and have a revolving door because you're going to go under the guise that the manager doesn't matter. The manager matters. You know, and you have one of the last remaining old school managers uh, in your in under contract. And I think you at least give him a year and see what's going on and then evaluate the organization. You know, Buck may not want to manage past next year anyway. And what a great way to transition and hand off where you can hand off a team that's in a better place than where it was when he came on. So there is a ton of stuff in front of David Stearns. And the honeymoon is not going to last long. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's going to last us at all. I mean, maybe you'll have that honeymoon, that press conference on October 2nd, the 3rd, whatever day he's officially announced as a hire and the media talks to him. Then after that, it's right to work. Fortunately, he's had Billy Epler get a jump start, and they've been working on things. And Epler, as we talked about on last week's show, has done a nice job. And I don't think the cupboard's bare. You know, are the Mets one or two players away? No, from being a division champion, no. But they have they don't have the same certainty, in my opinion, that you saw when Brody Van Wagenen took over in 2019 when they had the pitchers, when you knew what the real areas of need for the current roster was. You knew they needed to build up the farm system. That's been an ongoing thing. But you knew what the big league roster, you know, needed. Here, there's so many question marks on this roster. You still really don't know what you have in every rookie, except for Alvarez, seems to be the only one that's established himself 100%. You've got to figure out Alonzo. Um, you have to figure out if, you know, what McNeil is, you know, because he's starting to profile as a super utility guy. Expensive one, but a super utility guy. You know, you have Lindor. You know what you have there in Nimmo and stuff like that. But what other young offensive players can you count on? Do you have something in DJ Stewart? Uh, Gilbert in the minor leagues is tearing it up in Binghamton. Is he a guy that can make the opening day roster in 2024? Acuna, uh, Mauricio, Beatty, you know, on and on. You have so many questions here. So it's not like you just go out and say, well, if I sign this free agent, sign that free agent. And even from the pitching side, you really have to be careful about what you sign to build up the the, the starting rotation because you don't want to give up draft picks that you know anybody that's attached to a qualifying offer. And then the bullpen, you know, the Mets haven't built a good bullpen in almost 20 years. So it's it's taken some time. And there's a lot out there. And you're expected to continue to build the infrastructure. 
of the team continue to build a farm system and then compete and contend in 2024. That's a lot to ask. There is no honeymoon. And if this guy comes in, and this is not going to happen, and and thinks he's going to come in and do one of these, you know, two or three years, and we'll, you know, our clock starts and we're scheduled to be a contender in 2027, nobody wants to hear that. You know, maybe they'll they'll buy into that BS the media for about a year, but they're going to want to see results. And honestly, the fans don't want that. The fans are going to expect a winning team on the field, and then you'll have that small percentage of the fan base that worries about the farm. They always worry about the farm system. They they really don't. There's a percentage of the fan base that doesn't care about the big league club. They just care about the farm system because that's the hope of the future and the promise of the future, and you never could be disappointed. So that's why they dive into that because they can't handle the the – the stress of failure and losing. So the farm system never, it's always about speculation, the future. So you can always dream. Um, you know, they'll expect that the general fan, but the general fan is going to want to win. And they're going to expect a lot. And this guy's going to come with a lot of hype. He's making a lot of money. Uh, he's got a, you know, he's got everything in front of him. The richest owner in the sport. Uh, it seems like he's got a, a burgeoning farm system with some really interesting arms, some interesting positional players. Some guys already on the big league roster. He's got a roster that has some interesting stuff, is not complete, but has so many questions. And you're not going to have the answers for these questions. Maybe even coming out of spring training in Port St. Lucie next year. You know, truly next season is going to be one of the more fascinating seasons in Mets history. Because one, we don't know what it really is. Is it a transition rebuild year or is it a, you know, we really want to dial back expectations, but we're looking to be a contender in the sense where we want to make it to the tournament. And you just have so many young new players that don't have a resume. I mean, yeah, you have McNeil and Nimmo and Lindor and and maybe you want to throw to a certain degree Alvarez in there. And then you have your Senga and your Quintana in the rotation and a couple of relievers. But there are so many guys on this roster that you have no idea what to expect out of them. Mauricio and Gilbert and Acuna and Beatty, uh, DJ Stewart, uh, on and on and on. So Stearns is coming into a very challenging situation. And I hope, you know, we've been talking about the Mets mirroring the Red Sox. Uh, I hope they mirror the Red Sox and how Theo Epstein came in and took them to the promised land and not mirror Heim Bloom and what happened to Bloom over in Boston because, you know, it could easily go both ways here, guys. There's no guarantees. The Mets are in a very, very, very tricky spot. Very tricky spot. And money can't solve everything. Look, their money's not going to help them this offseason because, honestly, I wouldn't overpay for Blake Snell or Aaron Nola. And you don't know if you could outbid everybody for every Japanese player. I mean, you know, Yamamoto might be their top pick. They're going to have competition. You know, this, this the secret's out. You know, only a few teams are in on Senga. I think many more are going to be in on Yamamoto, including the Yankees. So it'll be a real test to Ken Cohen and, and Stearns and Epler sell somebody. And can they still sell, you know, if they want an Otani? Is there still a, still a sell story with Cohen, even with Stearns on board, after the failures of Scherzer and Verlander and how badly this season went? Can you still sell? that this is a functional organization headed into the right direction with a sustainable winning infrastructure. A lot of questions. Stearns is going to have to answer those, and that's the bigger thing. Stearns is going to be in front of the media. 
Not so much Epler, unless Epler's going to be the media guy. I don't think Epler's a great media guy. Stearns is the guy they're going to want to talk to, not Epler. They're going to want Epler doing his inside baseball lingo with some assistant GM or GM uh, somewhere. They want to hear from the Harvard kid. They want to hear from the executive star, the darling. He'll be the darling of the media. He will. But that'll change real quick if things go sour real quick. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go into the vault. Bartolo Colon was at City Field today. Back in 2020, in the spring of 2020, when the pandemic was raging, I had a chance to talk to Michael Stahl, author of the book that he uh, collaborated with with Bartolo Colon called Big Sexy. Michael talked about you know what he learned about Bartolo Colon, and we reminisced about some memories. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go into the vault, and we'll look back to an old interview I conducted with Michael Stahl, author of the book Big Sexy. You're listening to Talking Mets Podcast. We're back with more right after this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.